Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Mistakes were not okay. And failure wasn't an option type deal. I didn't, I didn't, I was not communicated to me as a young person, even as a young adult and into my 20s and even in my 30s that, hey, you know what? It's important to failure because that means you're taking risks. You're trying on new things. You're pushing boundaries. And that is a stepping stone towards success. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Hello and welcome to the Shark Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I appreciate you guys tuning in once again to hear uh, from myself and my guests about the tools, the things that, that help them become high achievers. And no matter what industry, whether they're a professional athlete, or they're an entrepreneur, um, you know, business owner, uh, I, I like to, to peel back the layers and discover, like, what are the things that gave them success? And so my guest this week is Cletus Coffee. Now, Cletus, he's a, a former professional athlete. He ran track and he played football. And now he's a leading authority on building culture and improving performance by better preparing athletes and corporate teams for life outside of X's and O's. And he has an incredible story of development, but also change and transition. There's a lot of former athletes that get stuck when it comes to transitioning out of their sport. And Cletus, he helps them get unstuck. So, um, 
buckle up. You know, this is a great interview. He has a great message, and I can't wait for you guys to have a listen. All right, here we go. Cletus, my man. Hey, good to see you again. Um, thank you again for being a guest on the Shark Effect. Um, you know, the first time, you know, we spoke, it was it was really eye-opening. And, you know, you had a lot of great information. It was a great conversation, and I learned a lot. And so I wanted to, you know, kind of uh, let people hear about you and your knowledge base about leadership and, and, and other things. But, uh, man, man, first, man, man, tell, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. Alex, man, great to be on. Super grateful that we connected and getting to know your story. And I'm just, I'm really excited about the work that you're doing. This podcast, you're speaking, you're coaching, uh, and seeing how you transitioned from sport to life after sport and all that you've gone through since, since, you know, you're kind of quote unquote retired uh, and, you know, seeing where you're at today and in alignment with what you're most passionate about uh, that gets me fired up. So I'm stoked to see that, uh, you know, similar, similar trajectory that, that you and many of your listeners and other former athletes have gone through, you know, grew up in the San Francisco Bay area, North Bay, three sport athlete in high school went on, uh, you know, was not a, super recruited athlete coming out of high school, but I just, I love sport and I want to continue doing it. So I found this little division three school, actually it was NAIA at the time up in Portland, Oregon, little Lewis and Clark college. They said, you can play as many sports as you want to play. Just come on up. So uh, <laughs> I went on up and played football and ran track up there and uh, I had a, had a wonderful time, I had a wonderful career. And I was just kind of getting into my groove. I was a little bit of a late bloomer as an athlete. And so I just thought, I don't know if it was a true dream of mine to be a professional athlete. You know, I ran track as well. And I just, I loved the Olympics. I always thought being Olympics would be the coolest thing ever. And I, uh, I, but track and field was not, I was not going to make it the Olympics in track and field. Uh, However, still loved the sport. And I just didn't know if it was just that dream to be a professional athlete or desperation in that since the age of five, I had always had a sport or a season to look forward to and to prepare. And when I didn't have that, uh, I'm going in my senior year going, all right, I, or I'm finishing my senior year going, I don't know what else is next. So, you know, I put myself in position to, and again, this is the late nineties, Alex, which you, know, you can relate to it, The internet wasn't what it is today. There was no email. So finding opportunities was, was a little slim. But somehow, some way, I, I marketed myself. I made a bunch of VHS tapes and sent them to any team and any coach that, that could, uh, Let's you go. know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and two teams called me back. And it was great. Uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the Canadian Football League and, and what was soon to be the Portland Forest Dragons of the Arena Football League both signed me. And I started my journey as a, as a pro athlete from there. Uh, I tell you what, man, in like many pro athletes, it, um, it's an, it's an eye opener. You know, I went to Canada and got cut for the first time. I'd never not started on a team, let alone been cut before. And how did that, how did that feel? How did that feel? You know what? I, I look back to that at that moment. It's really a, a pivotal moment for me because I had been taught for so long how to set goals, how to succeed. I was never taught how to fail. And nor was I ever given permission to fail. 
And once that hit, I took every possession I had to camp. I didn't have much. So I go into camp with everything I had. And when I walk in, you know, the equipment manager comes by, grab your playbook, coach wants to see you. And, and just my optimism was thinking, oh man, maybe, maybe they're moving me up on the depth chart. Like I was so, <laughs> there's no way they're going to cut me. Maybe I'm moving up. And of course I'd go in there and it was basically, we got a plane ticket where you want to go. And I was thinking, I, I, I hadn't been home since I left high school. Uh, I don't know where else to go. I, where am I going to go? What do you mean? What happened? And so ultimately I, I went to Portland because they had my rights in the Mina league. Uh, but I was on that plane. Just, I was thinking I'm embarrassed. Like, I, I had to go tell people that I failed and I was afraid what they were going to say. I was afraid of judgment, uh, you know, that I didn't quote unquote make it. And so that was, that was a, a pivotal change, a pivotal moment in my life. You know, when, when that happened, mm-hmm. uh, what did you start to, you know, kind of think about? Did you, did that ever cross your mind? Okay, what's next? You know, I, I know you was going to, to your Portland team, but did you start to think about like after, after sports, after football? Uh, nope. Completely okay. oblivious to it. Okay. No, right. not at all. It was just, all right, where's the next team? And I remember going, show, showing up to Portland and we had some good players on that team. And I walked in and was basically just, all right, where's my uniform? Just give me my gear. And they said, no, 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 you're actually going to work out for us first. And, and they had my rights for the, for the whole previous year. So I was thinking, ah, they got my rights. I'm in the, in the, the catalog for the year, you know, all, all the, uh, the roster and everything. And they said, no, no, you're going to work out. And honestly, I, I spent three years in Portland and not once did they ever work out an athlete like they worked me out when I came in. <laughs> they stopped practice and everyone stopped and watched me running routes you know, because in, in arena league you went both ways so I, had, I ran routes and i had to play db and uh thankfully a, a mutual friend of ours uh, lamont woods was on the squad at that time that's and my he, guy he whispered in my ear and said i got you man i got you on this so <laughs> you know he, he went easy on me while i was out with, as i was running routes you know trying to trying to uh make the team mm. uh and so yeah, it was, uh, I didn't, at that point, it was just, all right, for, for most of us at that level, it was, this is just a stepping stone to get to the league or, or to take the next step up. And the XFL was coming in. Uh, so people saw that as a potential opportunity. Uh, so, man, I just, I was all in. I was an athlete. I didn't know anything else at that point. Mm, interesting. And then what, so what, or how long did you, did you do that for in the arena or did you get another opportunity up in Canada? No. So I, I ended up doing four years in the arena league and uh, I, I was cut again at, at one point. At that point, I was a bit more prepared because I had talked to guys who've been in and around you know, some guys back from uh, the NFL, uh, some guys in Canada, all kind of you know, bouncing around. So I kind of understood, okay, this is a business. This is going to happen to all of us. Uh, so I was better prepared for it. Uh, but ultimately in, uh, in 2000, I ended up breaking my leg and, and the ankle 
and it took a long time to recover. And I, um, at the ripe age of, I guess it was 26 going on 27, my window was, was gone. There was, it was okay. Do I rehab this? Do I take the time to, to get back into the arena league and see if I can muster together a couple more years. Uh, at that point, I just, I shut it down. I, that was it. It wasn't planned. It was just, all right, I'm injured. I'm trying to come back. It's not that easy. The ankle's taken forever and uh, my window's gone. So, and, and at that point I didn't make enough money to actually have even a moment to think about what my next step was. It was okay. It's done. I need a job. I need to go find some work like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What was the, um, so was the pivotal moment was it when you got cut from Canada or was it like when your opportunities are all gone? Like, what was that point where you said, like, okay, I need to figure out what's next. Or like, like myself, when I was finally done, when the NFL kicked me out, it's like, okay, I need to figure out who I am. <laughs> and that, that took a, actually, that, that took a long time for me to ask myself that question. Um, so I'm curious, did you, did you go through that? Was that a pivotal point? Like once you finished up? So here's, here's how it played out for me. I, while I was rehabbing my leg with the intent, with the intention of continuing to play, I started to put together a resume and my resume said degree. I got my degree and pro football player. And so I started testing the waters at that point. And it was just cold. There was no response. My resume, I, I, I had one internship with ABC Sports. And I thought, okay, you know, I wanted to be in, in, the, in the broadcasting world. Uh, however, I, at that point, I didn't want to go cut film and, you, you know, do all the grunt work. We, man, we had just been, we had just played in Madison Square Garden. I had been on ESPN. I, people are calling me asking for, for tickets to my game. You're telling me I need to go cut film for someone else's. It just, I had a major disconnection between competing at a high level as an athlete and starting over in something else that mainly because I didn't know who I was. I didn't have, I wasn't passionate about anything other than sport. And the cliche thing that everyone said, why don't you just go into coaching? Just go be a coach. And, which is great. I love coaching. I love giving back. It just didn't align with me as a career going forward. So I didn't get into coaching. And I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna go do grunt work for something I don't like. I'm not passionate about. So that was a major, that was a major pivotal moment for me. So what I did was I was frustrated and just said, I just want to go be a business person. So I took my athletic career. I slammed it in a drawer, closed it and said, I'm done with it. It's time to move on into what I have no idea. And that was my decade of struggle of taking odds and ends jobs. Everyone told me, Hey, you're an athlete. You should go be a salesperson. You, you know, you know, teamwork, you know how to set goals. You know, yep, I, that was me too. <laughs> going to sales. <laughs> so I jumped into sales and it didn't work for me. And so tremendous amount of self-doubt crept in because wait a second, I'm this highly competitive athlete. I've had success on the field. It's not translating over into sales. What's wrong with me? 
I'm not good enough. Uh, this is not, uh, this is not for me, but yet my resume started building up with sales. The only jobs I could get was more sales jobs, more of what I didn't want. I didn't like. And meanwhile, I have no mentors. I don't have anybody that understands what I'm going through. I've got my, my mom, bless her heart, is just saying, go, go get a job, go find. And I'm going, I know, but this is not working out for me. And nobody really understood what I was going through as a former athlete and the, and the struggle and that transition and, and trying to find something as meaningful and as purposeful. And that gave me the same high that I once had as an athlete. Now, how did you, like, from that, how did you get out of that, that feeling? Did you have a mentor? Did you happen to find a mentor? Did you read a book? You take a seminar? <laughs> Dude, all of the above. And okay. it really okay. stemmed from, see, once you, once you turn, once you turn 35, you can compete on the world level in masters track and field. And so I had been trying to, you know, keep the competitive hold on, edge. That means, hold on. That, hold on. That means that when you're 35, you can go up against guys who are 50. Uh, it's, all like certain... age, it's all age graded, right? So five-year okay. increments. So Okay. So me and you wouldn't be racing. Uh, I'm 47 probably... now. Oh, yeah, we would be. I'm 46. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's yeah. go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got a relay team brewing here. I see. Okay. Uh, so I'd been looking for something. You know, I tried the rec basketball. It was way too serious. Uh, golf was fun. It took up way too much time for me. Uh, so I was thinking, what else can I do? And I, I was down in, at U of O at the Prefontaine Classic, met a guy there and said, man, I train master's athletes. So let's, let's go. So I started training with him for about three, four months. And guess what? I was back. Like I found myself again. Mm -hmm. I had a training regimen. I had structure. I had teammates. Uh, the guy I was training with, he, he trained a lot of the, the Seahawks receivers and skilled guys. So those guys were out there training. I was running with them. I felt purpose. Uh, and Although uh, Masters Track and Field uh, does not pay anything, uh, there are no sponsorship deals. You know, there's nothing that. So meanwhile, my life is crumbling around me because I'm broke. I'm struggling fight, keeping jobs that that uh, either I have success in or that I truly enjoy. Uh, and so I, I, I end up competing in the world championships uh, about a year later, win a gold medal for Team USA. I come home, I'm pulling up, uh, got back from the airport, I'm pulling up in the driveway and I just stop and I'm holding my gold medal. They, and it's really cool. They, they do the whole thing, the, the flag, the, the podium, the national anthem and everything. It was really cool. And I've got my gold medal and I just, I just lose it. I'm just in tears because I'm walking into a house. I had started a family at the time. I'm walking into this house and I've got I, no, nothing to bring other than this gold medal and that I'm feeling good about myself, but it didn't solve all my other issues outside of running. And so, but what it did do is it told me something that there's something there. If, if success leaves clues, there's something about this sports that uh, 
I need to, to explore and bring out of my, that drawer that I put it in and figure out how to align it with, with my life. And so uh, I picked up the book, Seven Habits of Highly, uh, high, uh, highly Successful People, Stephen Covey. Picked it up, read it cover to cover. And I thought, yes, like this talks to me. So I went down my own self-growth path. The books, the seminars, the programs, I invested in them all. And it was great. I mean, it helped me recognize the hole that I was in. Because previously, yeah. I didn't realize I was even in a hole. Mm. And so it helped me acknowledge the hole I was in. The challenge was, it didn't provide me necessarily the tools to help me get out, primarily because the information is great. I, I understood it. But it's still, there was still a disconnection between me, the athlete. Didn't really, I didn't, wasn't reading or learning from others that were like me. Uh, and that's what I needed to find was someone like me. Uh, and so I found, I found a mentor down in Southern California, went down and met with him and he was an entrepreneur. And I kind of followed his journey for, for some time and we got to be really good friends. And I got a chance to dabble in entrepreneurship for the first time. And I fell in love. I mean, it was like being an athlete all over again. I get to own it. I get to put it on my shoulders. I get to, uh, there's, there's, there's no ceiling into my potential. I get to create something. I felt like that was the first place that I felt like an athlete post sports. Challenge was, I don't know anything about business or entrepreneurship. <laughs> Three businesses later that I beautifully failed at, uh, I'm back at that same scenario where it's like, what's wrong with me? How come I have not been able to succeed at this? Like, it feels right. What's wrong with me? And what I had been doing is I had been chasing the money. I had been chasing these shiny objects. I'll start this business because everyone seems to be making money in that. Commercial finance, real estate, and insurance. I built a company around that. 2009 hits. We lose a lot of the, a lot of the, com the country lost a lot during that that uh, reset. And I was one of them. And so I'm back to being broke. I lost everything. I tried to keep the lights on. So I borrowed money. It was gone. Keep people employed. Didn't work out. Uh, started two others that were different this time. They were a bit more in alignment with who I was, but still it just, it didn't work. It didn't fit. Uh, and that's where I started on the journey to say, okay, entrepreneurship is where it's at but I cannot be starting a business just for the sake of making money or because this is the hot market or that's what everyone wants right now. I got to start something that I understand. That's me to solve the problems that I've had that I understand and that I can talk to. And that's why I, I created my company called the recovering athlete to help other people like me, those mm -hmm. former athletes who had transitioned out of sport at whatever level, high school, college, professional level, and are looking to, to, uh, to make something for themselves, to find fulfillment in life after sports. Mm, I love that. And, you know, from, from talking with you and find out more about you, I know you, you, you take it down to like three, right? What are those, those three things that can give you fulfillment um, in life after sports? I'm interested to hear about this. 
Yeah. So what I did. Three keys. Your yeah. Your three keys. Yeah. So basically, with this really I, a little bit of, a quick little backstory. My my father, uh, who wasn't around while I was growing up during my formidable years. You know, he had to fight his own internal battles with alcohol, and so I'm I'm very 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 grateful for his passion for healing himself and uh, getting himself back, back on his feet. And he's now 35 years sober. And it's just it's oh, such wow. an incredible story. Yeah. And so I learned a lot about Alcoholics Anonymous through the recovery process and the 12 steps that a lot, that a lot of alcoholics focus on to help them with the, the ongoing process of recovery. And so as I'm, I'm looking at things as a former athlete, I'm going, you know, there's this addiction that I had to the identity of this thing that I was propped up that everyone saw me as. And I wanted to continue to be seen as that. And so I was always doing little things to, to try to make, to, to feed my ego more or less, to make sure that I was always on top. People looked at me in good light. Uh, and it was my ego just running rampant. I was addicted to the flow, right? That, that state of flow where like things just were just working out with, you know, effortless with ease in sports. And I wasn't finding that in life outside of sports. And so I adopted in my program, I put this, the essentially a 12 step program together. And really the, the three key elements in the very beginning for, which is the foundation for it all. And it's the self-awareness piece, the work that I wish I had done before I ever left sport. And number one is getting clarity on who, who you are. And outside of sports is what we did. It's not who we are. And so many times, I mean, I, I'll go into any type of workshops with, with athletes. And I always ask them, I mean, room, consider yourself an athlete. All the hands go up. And I say, no, you're not. That's what you do. It's not who you are. Who are you? Take the time. Because as athletes, we were taught, especially, you know, playing at a division one level, it was block out all distractions, goal in on your sport, uh, in season, off season, uh, preseason. It's all about, you know, getting better at your craft. Well, when we did that, especially as student athletes, we didn't explore all the other elements of life, art, music, theater, well, you name it, music, other things that maybe align with this that we are uh, passionate about. We didn't have a chance to explore all those things. So now in life after sports is our opportunity to do that. We're getting clarity on who we are. We got to be vulnerable with what we don't do well. Biggest challenge for a lot of us former athletes is we're, we have difficulty being vulnerable. And opening up and saying, man, I'm not good at this. This is a challenge for me. So we have to get clarity on what that is and what we are good at. And these are just pieces to the puzzle that we slowly start to put together. Uh, the, the second component to that is once we have a clarity on what we do well, it's really important that we start to figure out what I call it the high. Like what gives us that high in life? What's that passion? And I'll give you an example. For me, where I found that high was being on stage speaking and what, cause most jobs that I had, if I was in a sales role, I was usually the front man. I was usually one up pitching in front of groups, doing the live presentations. And that was like running out of the tunnel. That was like the crowd cheering. And so once I got on stage, I felt alive. I felt the butterflies again. And so I've recognized, okay, there's something about that. Something about me sharing a message with others uh, where I can be up in front and 
I, I, so I took that piece and said, I don't know what that means, what that looks like, but there's something to that. So I, that's the passion piece. Like, what is it? Once I, then I connected the sports aspect of things. Once I brought that thing into my life. So getting clarity on what, what you're most passionate about is important. Not what makes you money, not what, not because those, those things are important. Those are part of it all. Not that which your parents told you to do, or you're doing because you just, you don't know anything else. Like it's that, what is it that fires you up? If nothing else matters, what gets you super hyped? And then lastly is getting past the athlete alibis. And this is the big thing, Alex. The athlete alibis that you and I and many former athletes were taught at a very early age. And that is using alibis to explain away our failures. Uh, mm. I would have got that scholarship had I not hurt my knee. Alibi. I'd have been all conference if the coach had given me more playing time. Alibi. We would have won the game if it wasn't for the referees. Alibi. And we're taught that at a very early age because we come home from sports as young people and our parents are going, you should have won that game. That referee screwed you. Oh, they, they're teaching us to so, explain away our failures. Absolutely. You me on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. And we continue that. We continue that to protect our ego, to protect ourselves later in life. I would have got that promotion had that my, you know, my manager liked me. Um, I, you know, I would have you know, had this opportunity if, you know, so-and-so had, you know, had recognized me or, you know, I would, you know, I'd make more money if, if it wasn't for having kids, you know, we, we're using alibis. We've got to break up with these alibis in order to free ourselves to really reach our highest potential in life. So what should we do then? And, you know, with those alibis, what is the flip side we should be able to do? Yeah. The, the, the one thing that, I would not want for anyone is to be later in life staring at them at themselves in the mirror saying, if I had just been more vulnerable and taken responsibility for my life, then I could have really reached my highest potential. So it's reframing the conversation. So it isn't someone else's fault, something outside of you. It's our fault. It's our responsibility. We are responsible for X, Y, and Z happening. It's not the manager's fault. The reason why you didn't get the, 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 the raise or the new, the new job or the new opportunity, it's our fault. We haven't developed ourselves to become the individual capable of receiving that raise. Uh, you know, I would have had a, a wonderful relationship if that other person on the other end would have, uh, you know, called me back. We would have a great, we would have a great relationship. It's not them screwing us it's not them doing it to us it's us taking ownership and responsibility you know maybe i'm just not the person capable yet to attract that type of individual into my life or to attract that opportunity so the sooner that we can start to take ownership and responsibility man it, it's amazing i'm i'm a prime example of it once i start owning owned my story and my failures and my people i've connected with people like yourself that I would never have gotten to if I was holding on to I'm this thing and I'm everyone else is responsible for my failures. So mm -hmm. taking ownership is really important. Man, I, uh, absolutely, man. I couldn't agree with you more. And here's the thing is playing sports um, and, you know, playing at a high level is like you said, we're taught that the, the culture is to basically, yes, yeah, that's not my fault. That's pretty much the culture, right? It was somebody else's fault. 
But when you take ownership, you you do a couple of things. You you separate yourself from others. And I was always like that cat, like, how can I separate? All these dudes are good. All these athletes, all, you know, everybody, they're all good. How do you separate yourself? Well, you got to learn more, right? But also when you're learning more, you start to understand that, man, the power that you have when you, you step up and you raise your hand when things don't go right. Or if, if, if there's an issue and it starts with you, you can start to separate yourself. Another thing is, you know, as parents, we, we don't want to, you know, to break down or, or, or tell our kids, you know, that, hey, no, you messed up. This is the consequences. How do we go about fixing it? Like, man, I, there are no excuses. If you messed up, you own it. You own it. And I think, you know, you can start to kind of, um, you can change the culture by producing that and seeing it and, and applying it at home first, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. And, you know, I came from a, a world where uh, mistakes were not okay. And failure wasn't an option type deal. I didn't, I didn't, I was not communicated to me as a young person, even as a young adult and into my twenties and even in my thirties that, Hey, you know what? It's important to failure because that means you're taking risks. You're trying on new things. You're pushing boundaries. And that is a stepping stone towards success. And so I really wish I, you know, looking back at my younger self, I would have been more focused on, all right, go try on new things, make those mistakes fail because that's going to help you get to get to the next step and it starts at home absolutely love it yeah i love that man man tell me tell me some about or tell me more about my listeners more about your book the ultimate playbook for dominating life after sports i know most most likely i'm guessing you know it has some conversations like this or some stories like what we're talking about um is there anything else that you know it's in the book that that you can share with us yeah, so that's that that uh, book right there is is really uh, so I've got four pillars to my program. That that is pillar number one, and it's actually it's a it's a mini workbook that uh, takes people through really that those key three steps that we just talked about, right? Getting an understanding of who you are, what your passion is, and then overcoming those those alibis. And you know, you and I have, have talked to extensively here about about books and getting our our message out there. And my, uh, my forthcoming book, full length book is going to be the, the entire pr- program put together. So all four step, all four pillars with the 12 step process. And really, uh, I, I created a new online course called rise of the former athlete that embodies this entire program. And what it's doing is it's taking those athletes who are former athletes who are saying, Hey, you know, I just, I've got them. I've got a Either I have a passion or I need to find my passion. Either way, it's going to help you identify what that is or solidify your passion. And then it's really what I wish I had when I first said, all right, I know the direction I want to go in. And so we break down these barriers, the, the hurdles that sports unintentionally puts in our way, such as alibis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk through athlete identity, uh, athlete identity foreclosure. Uh, which we alluded to just just a little bit, where we foreclose on this single thing, this single identity, uh, athlete, when in fact 
There's a lot more to that. And then we go in through the steps to take that passion and to launch it out into the world. And so whatever that message is, whatever that passion is, I'll, I, I take you know, those that get through the book or that, that join the Rise of the Former Athlete course. At the end of the course, they're going to have identified what their passion is, uh, their voice, how to best share it. Some people are video, audio, such as this. Some people are bloggers. Uh, identifying what their voice is and then the, the strategic steps to get it launched and start to develop a community. So I firmly believe that this is where the world we're coming to is communities. And my community, for example, is a community of former athletes on, on all levels that want specifically to connect with other like-minded thinking people, former athletes that are entrepreneur minded, that want to create something, that want to start their basketball academy or want to start uh, and doesn't have to necessarily be in sports, but wants, wants to start their passion or launch their message out there into the world to help influence and be of service to others. So help them build up that foundation to find that passion, solidify it, and then help them with their own personal branding and then launching their message out into the world. I love it. I love it. Cletus, give me your your definition of leadership. And, you know, we talked about this before where, you know, leadership is so broad and, you know, there's so many, you know, defining, you know, how you define it. And I'm interested to hear how you define it. You know, for, you know, for me, it's, I try to boil things down. So I want to hear what, what leadership and how do you use it on a day-to-day -day basis? Man, great question. And you're right. I mean, leadership can come in all different shapes and sizes. And I'm sure that, you know, you and I and any other, anybody listening here has probably seen it, especially play out in sports. And you've, you've had leaders on your team that are the vocal leader, the rah-rah, getting everyone hyped. And then you have the one that's uh, the leads by example is out there, you know, working their butt off quiet, but just methodically putting forth the effort. You have the, the teachers, the, the, the veterans out there who are kind of like coaching up and being a mentor to, to younger athletes. I mean, leadership can show up in so many different shapes and sizes, but I boil it down to your ability to make those around you better. As a leader, when I step into this role, uh, the more vulnerable I am, the better. I don't know it all. I don't want to know it all. And I believe leaders one of the greatest responses you can give is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really answer that, but let's find it out together. And the, build, the, the greater capacity that I have to help make those around me better, I feel is, you know, drives my and solidifies, you know, my stake in the ground as the leadership who's the leader who's up there out front, paving the path, knowing that those that are, who have chose to hitch onto my train, you know, moving forward. Uh, that they're getting better in all areas of their life as a, as a byproduct of, of my leadership. I love that. I love that last part, getting better in all areas of your life. That's something, man. Um, man, it, closing thoughts, man. You have any more, any more golden nuggets you can give my, my listeners about, um, about leadership or about transformation? Um, anything like that? Yeah, of course, man. We could spend here for hours. I know you and I can, can <laughs> go back and forth on this, but you know, I I really would like to to get to challenge people to 
step into being brave and being brave in trying on that, which oftentimes is uncomfortable for them. And that's where we make our greatest gains. And the more that we can add for me, you know, my focus is on former athletes. The more I can get more former athletes stepping into uh, who they really are, because I'm just reminding former athletes who they once were. <laughs> They've already competed at a high level, whatever level. They've already achieved some incredible goals. And yet when they transition over, oftentimes it's, it's forgotten. And so I'm just simply reminding them, like, you've already done this. Let's just, this is how it applies today in life after sports and getting them to, you know, not just former athletes, but anyone to try on something uncomfortable is going to lead yourself first and foremost in the direction that you want to go. And once people see that and they see that you're vulnerable, they see that, Hey, look, I'm, I'm a big fan. And and I teach all of my clients, you document this journey document the struggles, document what you're not, what you're going through. Cause people buy into transformation. People buy transformation, show them transformation, let them see where you're currently at and where you're going without fear of if I don't make it there, well, then I, I failed. That's not the case. If you didn't make it there, business didn't work out, whatever. Uh, it's simply a new opportunity. There's a door that's going to open adjacent to that, that we're going to step into. And so uh, having that, being brave and having that courage to step in and do something new, just do something uncomfortable, but that talks to you, uh, I really feel is, is the key to all of us making a greater impact in life. And in our case, than we ever did in sports. Mm, I love that, man. That's good stuff. Cletus, man, thank you for for being a guest on the Shark Effect, man, I definitely want to have you on again, you know, to talk more about leadership and about culture change, um, about personal development. Uh, how can my listeners get uh, get more get more of Cletus Coffee? Yeah, no, absolutely. Probably the best thing to do. Obviously, I'm, I'm at Cletus Coffee on all social channels. Uh, if you go to CletusCoffee.com forward slash playbook. Uh, that's the best way to start your journey with me. And that'll, that'll get you access to some of my re my free resources, kind of get you into our community and starting to learn more about uh, my programs and my courses. So it's Cletus Coffee and coffee is with a Y at the end, C-O-F-F-E-Y, CletusCoffee.com forward slash playbook. And that way we can connect, get, get to be part of the community. Absolutely. Oh, you also have a, a podcast. Yes. Real quick. Can, can you uh, talk a little bit about what you what you talk about on that? Yeah. So the recovering athlete podcast is when I was first going through my aware of the hole that I was in and trying to figure out a way to get out. I started doing a Google search for former athletes struggling in transition or lost in life after sports, you name it. And I could find a lot of articles on the factual stuff about depression, anxiety, suicide, you know, those things happening that was real for, for a lot of athletes but I didn't find any stories or information on athletes who kind of like me, kind of the average Joe who was able to come out on the other end and have success and we're doing something good. So I started the podcast to share, to find those athletes doing that so I could share the stories. So if anyone else was looking for inspiration or mentorship of those who were successfully made that transition, they'd come find it. So it's a combination of interviews with a whole, uh, 
diverse group of former athletes and then uh, coaching and training on my end uh, throughout, uh, you know, throughout the podcast. So it's growing and uh, we do to have you on there at some point. Yeah, come on. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate you, Cletus, man. Um, uh, I can't wait for, for people to get a, to get a listen to this because I think it's going to help out a lot of people, not just athletes, but a lot of, a lot of people. Alex, thanks so much for having me, man. Keep, keep doing your good work. And I'm looking forward to following your journey and continuing to collaborate. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking tr to transition, what, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever, if you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down, I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you gotta understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision-making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.